What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the UGA Sports Call-In Show presented by UGA Sports. I'm your host, Paul Mahiri, joined by my co-host, Jason Butt and Ben Choppy Bachman. I know you guys missed us last week. We were traveling back home from a fun-filled weekend in New Orleans. Uh, a lot of stuff we can't talk about on air, but we had a great, great time. And uh, we're here back with you, though, much like Kirby Smart is back with the Georgia Bulldog program. They inked him to a $10 million deal. Uh, starting off 10.25. I mean, if you want to get technical, then it goes up to 12.25. Let's just say we're back like Kirby Smart. We're going to be here for the next 10 years, much like Kirby Smart is in Athens. And, uh, you know, as it always goes, guys, if you're watching us, you know what to do. Hit that link in the sh in the uh, comments, in the description. Join the conversation with us. Get on here, talk some dogs with us. We're going to be going through schedule predictions because this is the last week. We have one Sunday left until fall practice. So we're trying to wrap up everything for the offseason here as much as we can. And as always, guys, we want to know where you're watching us from. We don't consider you guys fans of the show. We call you family of the show. So we want to know where you're watching from. We'll shout you out on the show, and we'll get to it. But, guys, we've already got some comments coming in. Michael Rowan saying worth every penny. The news came out. Kirby, I mean, and it's so funny, right? Kirby takes the podium SEC media days and then just happens to be the next day after he signs his contract, Jason. Yeah, I mean, you can't tell me that wasn't by design. Uh, it's, he, uh, They're very, um, what's the word, uh, tactical around that around that program. So, uh, you know, want, want the, they want the attention to be on the kids that are, that are there at SEC media days about the team. They talk all about that, and then they're not accessible. To talk about the contract, which <laughs> you know when you when you're talking about though that kind of money, I, I understand why from a communications perspective you're you're trying right. to you're trying to message that accordingly and uh, just kind of put it out with a statement and uh, and then move on and and go from there and uh, yeah, pretty lucrative deal. Uh, you know, you know the, the hundred million dollar club. You know, uh, ten years over ten million a year. So uh, you know, congrats to Kirby Smart. Uh, when you win a national championship, usually those things kind of fall into place in that way. Ben, your thoughts on? Uh, I mean, I see you got a new chair there. Might be worth ten million. Yeah, I'm uh, sitting but, in my uh, grandpa chair, my comfy yeah. chair though. That's all yeah, right, that matters. The comfort. Right before, guys, right before we got on the show, he, he was at, talking about how much food he ate, and then he was like rubbing his belly. He looked like a sixty year old man in his chair there. He's looking good though. Great well, you said this is a couch. I'm like, this might be the thinnest couch I've ever sat on. But, you know, Paul, you also said, you know, you're back for 10 years. So, Paul yeah. Meharry is going to set a record for being the longest intern <laughs> in the history of America. We're not even yes. talking about Georgia or anything like that in America, longest intern ever. Uh, but, but back to the uh, subject at hand, you know, I think Kirby deserves the contract that was clearly by design because it was coming out of me. Like, there's, there's just no way of covering that especially talking about money i think they asked him about the contract a couple times and the next day oh he's the highest paid contract ever in terms of total dollars and per year among a college co a head coach ever and i think he deserved it because he took a program that really well it's been on the rise over the last 20 years steadily but it needed to get over the hump and he's the one that got it over the hump and he's a guy who also this is his alma mater so keeping a guy who's a georgia guy home who brought home a title 
who's not even 50 yet. He won a championship, I think, like seven or eight years younger than Nick when he won his first. You know, a lot of guys have done it, but also I think that's something, too, where you're like, this is a guy who has a lot of mileage left in terms of his coaching abilities, and you lock him up for the next 10 years to a contract. I just think it's really good, and also I think it'll help recruiting because you can say, this guy just won a title. Look at how young he is. Look at the contract he just signed. He might be the most stable position of any head coach because of age, his contract, and his success might be the most stable of any coach in college football. And I think that's a huge selling point now. Speaking of selling points, I want to shout out some – well, this is not speaking of selling points. I I don't know how I was going to transition that to that. I want to shout out some of our uh, family watching, though. William watching from Chesapeake Bay, Gregory White, West Melbourne, Florida, uh, Antoine. Antoine's in San Diego, California, for a few more weeks. JS over there in Ackworth. Terrible news on Mechie, though. Yeah, we can we can touch touch on that as well. Uh, Big Dog eats in Bartow. And let's see. Do not acknowledge Johnny Ballgame, please. Do not Johnny acknowledge. Ballgame. Choppy, how are you my illegitimate son? <laughs> Do not acknowledge him, please. I know I'm going to get a phone call after this is over. Uh, Brett Weimer says, St. Mary's. We, we see you, Brett. Um, let's see here. I'll get to that question in a second. J.S. Williams. I see it, man. Johnny Ballgame says great show and great work as always. Mickey's watching from uh, Sand Mountain, Alabama. Joe Slow says big gang. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? Guys, put it in the chat. Let us know where you're watching from. We'll shout you out. And uh, if you have any questions like J.S. Williams does, uh, or J. Scott, excuse me, uh, we will get to those questions a little later. I want to kind of dissect a little bit more into this Kirby Smart thing. Also, the day before, uh, day before media days, it comes out that Kirby says, what does he say? He's like, I, I was done. I was done. The COVID year, we we're doing everything. And, and the, the quote got so taken out of context, right, Jason? And then he signs this long contract. I don't know. Did it have the, the two things have anything to do with each other or was it no. just one of those things where he's just kind of speaking and it, it rolls off of his tongue and he's, it's like, Oh man, maybe I sh- shouldn't have said that. Or was it more of a hyperbole? What, you're, you're more of a English major than I was, Jason. What, what was it that he, that he did? Well, I mean, at, at the coach's clinic, right? He, uh, yeah. he's, it, it's the, the, the quote, I believe it was like, yeah, like basically he's explaining, yeah, hyperbole is probably a good way to put it. Like, yeah, we were burned out last year. It was crazy. Like, and I, I think anybody who's a, close enough around the college football, like when it comes from work life, it is way better to be an NFL coach than it is to be a college coach. In, in yeah, terms you've of covered both. You, you've covered both pretty heavily. Yeah. So, yeah. NFL coach is getting off season. There's downtime. Players can't be in. Like they take long vacations with their families. Uh Yes, they're they're working on on prep for the upcoming season, but there is designated time where they uh, are able to unwind and get away from the game. In college, you're recruiting. You don't stop. So when you are not coaching, when you're not uh, planning, you are on the recruiting trail. It, you know, and when it's a dead period, you're in the office grinding tape. So it, it's it's never ending. You really don't have. Uh, and then during the season, you're, you're basically going 14 hour days. I mean, you're not. You there's a lot of sacrifice involved. You know, you don't get to see your kids a whole lot. Uh, while you're while you're in the season, so from that perspective, that's exactly what he was trying to say. Like he's saying, "Oh my god, like I'm so burned out." It's like I don't, you know. That's what he was was getting at. I think. Um, I think that I, I do think that's one of those things where when you put it in print, it, yes. the context gets taken away, uh, especially when it's like 
Because was it Football Scoop who, who did the story? Um, I did, yeah, and it, it came out. Yeah, it was like, whoa. That's, yeah, that's and I think it seemed like they got it from they got the audio from a coach, and I mean, yeah. it just it was, um, it was probably it was something that to me just read just reading it. You're like, okay, this is definitely taken out of context. So, uh, you know, the guy ends up signing his deal. I think that's more of a coincidence. But yeah. he's been telling recruits for the longest time. He's been saying, we're working on my deal. I'm going to be here for a long time. Like, so this isn't anything like out of, out of thin air or anything that uh, I think more of the media days is, Hey, let's wait till after media days and go with it. As opposed to, um, you know, Oh my gosh, football scooter, this, this story. I mean, that, to me, that's nothing that anybody inside the program is going to you know, take, take seriously. Well, I also think Kirby's kind of signaled this. If you guys remember, after they won the title, he sat down with, I believe, Reese Davis yes. or Chris Fowler. It was one of the two. And he said one of the yeah one one of the issues was over COVID. Initially, this is when he started realizing it. A lot of coaches got to not be in the office for months. Got to really because of the COVID restrictions, they got to be home more, so they got to be with their family more, and that made them really want to prioritize that more. And also with the recruiting schedule now, the way it is, with uh, the calendar, with the signing days, with NIL and all these different things, it's putting more pressure on assistant coaches. And he's like, there's going to be a lot of coaches who are either going to leave and retire or are going to try to not even want to stay in college and do everything they can to coach pro ball. Guess what happened a month or so later? Matt Luke, at a pretty young age, retired. And is that permanent? I don't know. I think at least it is for the next couple of years to reset. And you're going to be seeing that, I think, a lot now. And he signaled it, and then it happened with his assistants, a guy who was an SEC head coach and a really accomplished offensive line coach. So I think that's one thing that he's looking at now saying, I mean, there are coaches now with how much they have to recruit, all they have to deal with, and the fact that they had that brief period of time to be with their family for several months and really get to soak that in saying, man, I wish I had more of this because NFL coaches get more of this. People who maybe they're in a job in football where they're not a collegiate coach or have to deal with the recruiting cycle will have the ability to be with their family more. And I think that's something that he signaled because that's something he thought of himself. He didn't just see it in his assistants. He definitely saw it in himself because I saw the videos online of him playing with his sons and daughter and basketball outside and stuff like that, that his wife and them tweeted out and it's like he seemed to be enjoying himself there and when you see stuff like that you're like I think he wanted you know to be home more and was really stressing having to have this busy schedule and I think that's what he means by all this you're on mute Paul Paul you're oh my bad did you I think so too um sorry I was trying to look up for the next question here that we had in the chat I didn't want everybody to hear me typing but uh I think you're you both hit it exactly on the nail on the head there did you guys get a chance to watch that year of the dog thing on SEC Network? I haven't watched it. I had a friend who uh, had an X-rated, uh, a big Georgia fan. He texted me and had had an X-rated phrase to describe how he felt about it. So I, I need to. Apparently, it was yeah, really fun. I got to watch the uh, last thirty-five minutes of it or so. I'm a big, I'm a, a big Big Brother fan, so it was on the same time. And uh, me and the wife were watching that. I got to flip over quickly and, and watch the last thirty-five minutes of it, but. Oh, what big you said big brother I'm a huge oh, fan man the last huge few fan. seasons have been bad it's been huge bad. Ben, you watch. Really ruined the show a guy named paul ruined the show that's funny you watch that. <laughs> that's not even a, that's not even me just trying to joke it's true that guy paul who had the yeah. tattoo over his chest yeah he you, did you know who i'm talking about yeah 
that Phil guy Rogers. ruined the show. Ever since I haven't watched since, I'm like, that guy, trash. Uh, Phil from Jacksonville always, man. We appreciate you, Phil. Phil the fam. Uh, Scott Anderson, Pooler, Georgia. Uh, while I'm going through these guys, Brett says, have you heard about the Big Ten players wanting cut of the Big Ten TV money? That's more of a question for you guys. I'm not up in that area. Of course they want, of course they want money. I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a rumor. Like, I guarantee players in the SEC want a cut of money from the school yeah. and the deals. I I definitely know all the players want that. I don't know if they're pushing aggressively or not. I have no idea, but they definitely want it. That, that's, uh, that's Alex cool. Waller watching from Lakeland, Florida. Will Dickerson, I've seen him around a time or two. Trenton, Georgia. Stewart County, Georgia from Michael Rowan. Look at Mickey. Mickey found a friend, said, hey, neighbor, Trenton's just down the mountain. You guys should hit, a, hit each other up. Uh, oh, Fred F. says it could have been better. The music was horrible. Yeah, the music was kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. Um, how long Brett says, how long till the players go on strike? I don't know. I do want to get to this though. It looks like Eddie from Ackworth with us. Eddie, what's going on, man? Eddie, what's up? Hey boys. How are y'all? Can you hear me? Okay. I'm trying these headphones out. Can you hear me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You sound good. Okay. Yeah. The audio hasn't been the best. So I thought I'd try these. We're, uh, we're going to try to get to this question from Fred F here said, uh, what do you think about the QB list from McElroy and Tebow? So I looked him up. I'll, get, I'll save you guys the hassle of that. Yeah. Uh, McElroy, on Wednesday at SEC Media Days, Fred F., McElroy ranks his top five quarterbacks in the conference on SEC Now. People still watch that? That's interesting. Starting with the returning Heisman winner, uh, number one, Bryce Young. Number two, Stetson Bennett. Number three, Spencer Rattler. Four, Hendon Hooker. And five, K.J. Jefferson. On the other hand, Tim Tebow. Went Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Spencer Rattler, Hendon Hooker. So, Paul, I was hoping there was no Will Levis for you. I was hoping there was none, so I could give him slack because he's uh, not that guy. So, well, well, McElroy uh, put in his top five. Stetson Bennett, Jordan Rogers also did top five. If anybody cares what he had to say, but um, (laughs) it did not include Stetson. So, um, McElroy was the only one, and he put him second. Is that where McElroy uh, is finally right at something, or is he wrong on this one? I mean, it's uh, all, all these lists are just subjective, but I, I did catch McElroy's um, impassioned defense of Stetson Bennett. Uh, I think I saw it circulating Twitter. So um, he, he he went through through the uh, you know Stetson's numbers, and you just put them side by side, but more so the percentages. You know, Stetson didn't play the full. 15 games but but you put his numbers side by side to a lot of these guys percentage wise completion percentage um there's some other metrics and they were they were right on if not better than um everyone i believe bryce young and uh there's another quarterback i can't remember but he was, he was right up there so yeah. uh, I, mean, I think there's a case to be made i mean what the, the only thing that you're 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 hurting or you're not putting for stetson is his nfl projection i mean i don't think anybody's projecting him to go to be drafted in any of the seven rounds for that matter so at least at this point so um if 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 you're if i'm just saying if you're looking if if that's the the one downside right now which i think a lot of people do look into they look into kind of the hype around the person i think maybe that takes away from it but i'm not a big believer i'm gonna be all old man yelling at a cloud for a minute like I'm just not big on these lists. I mean, I think they're they're fun, they're entertaining, but I guess that's what it's about for me. It's nothing. Um, it's, 
I, I, I can't say I'm boring in that respect. I can't say whether these guys are right or wrong. They're just right. They're just filling air. Eddie, hey, Eddie, what do you think? Can I, can I? I just want to interject here. You guys are big in the recruiting side of it. Do you think part of this weighs into the fact that Stetson Bennett was only a well, he was a no star really coming out of high school, and and do you think that that's part of what they're looking at? You said no way he goes pro. Okay, that's part of it too. Is it is that the fact that you know Bryce Young five star et cetera on down the line, he wasn't a big recruit coming out of out of high school. I think from the fan perspective, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think from these guys, the talking heads, I think I think they're a little smarter than that. That's why. Uh, okay. But, like but, five. Yeah, but go ahead. Go but ahead. Jason, Jason, he's got Spencer Rattler at number three, who was a five star mm-hmm. and That's true. didn't and got benched at Oklahoma. And he's got him third. Right. He's got him over Hugh Hooker and KJ Jefferson. So yeah. Eddie, Eddie does have a point there. I mean, yeah, I think it's about that. You see, I guess you would think you would think guys who are in that position who played the game would know better than to just fall back on recruiting stars when um, you know Spencer Rattler didn't cut it at Oklahoma and then had to leave. And so, what's to say that Spencer Rattler is going to be what people thought he would be at South Carolina? I, I just, I think, I think we do. I, you're probably right. There probably is a little bit of that, and I'm, I'm overlooking it to be honest. And. So. and- Tim Tebow has Spencer Rattler fourth, and Jordan Rath- Jordan Rogers has Spencer Rattler second. He, here's the thing, Paul. Who has Lincoln Riley not been able to develop a quarterback? He usually hits every time. Spencer Rattler was not, and that's something that's interesting to me. And he's going to Shane Beamer, who his forte is a tight end. He was a tight end coach in Georgia, <laughs> yeah. tight end coach at Oklahoma, I believe. I mean, you look, Jaheim Bell is arguably their best player. He's a tight end. So his forte is tight end not quarterbacks. And when you look and say Lincoln Riley could not take Spencer Rattler to the next level in the Big 12, I do have concerns about him because I think with the Stetson Bennett debate, there's two different things. Is he a top five quarterback in the SEC? I say yes. Is he a top five talent in the SEC at quarterback? No. There's two distinctions. I still put him there because he's accomplished and you know what you're getting and he's consistent. Anthony Richardson's a top five talent, but he's not a top five SEC quarterback in terms of and I think that you can, you know, separate the two. It's like yeah. when people debate in basketball all the time about these guys. And I'm always like Kevin Durant from a talent perspective, all-time talent, but he's not a top five player of all time. So that's where I get with that. You have to separate the two. And I know some people always like to combine them. And I get that you can, but you have to because some guys are more accomplished. And I think Stetson is, and he's solid and actually more consistent. And that's why I put him in top five, even though he's not a guy who's going to be a transcendent NFL guy. You know what he's going to be, and it's going to be, and it's going to work. Spencer Rattler could be on that next level, but there's no guarantee of it. And I also, I think he's talented, but I'm sorry, to me, he isn't looking that way. Eddie, some of the fans reaching out to you. Fred F., Fred F., and Brett both said, "What's up, Eddie?" The family's reaching out to you. Go ahead, uh, Eddie. I was just going to say, how many quarterbacks have we watched come out of college and and they get drafted in the NFL and they get you know, pooed it out in the uh, practice league and they don't ever make it. I mean, they, you, you could, you could name tons of those guys. Right. So yeah. I, I think to say that, well, Stetson Bennett's not an NFL quarterback and Bryce Young is, well, that's, that's absurd. We don't know that yet. Right. I, I'm not saying Stetson Bennett's going to be an NFL quarterback by any means, but to say that Bryce Young, well, he gets elevated because we know he's going to be an NFL caliber quarterback. How the heck do we know that? We don't, right? Yeah, it's all projections right now. That's all we're Absolutely. Going. Yeah. Uh, 
Jeff Hightoff says though, motel eights are not as talented as four seasons. Uh, so that's a, that's a really good point. Um, hmm. Turn ranking, ranking hotels, motel eights probably wouldn't make it. Jeff, you're right. Fred F says, good, uh, good point, Eddie. Uh, I want to talk about this. Uh, Phil brought this up and I think Phil is from Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is. Oh, I was hoping he this says, would come up. Yeah. He says, uh, guys, what do you think? Uh, guys, what do you think? Does Kirby get the Florida game home and home? Uh, who wants to start this? First off, Eddie, 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 before we start this, do you go to Georgia, Florida as a fan? Do you go or no? I haven't been in years, honestly. I used to go, obviously, as a student. It was awesome to go as a student. I went a few years after that. But, you know, life gets in the way. Family gets in the way. That's, that's a jaunt to get down there. So I haven't been. We typically have people over and we just watch it that way. So do you go to my do you, heart, go to, do you go to games what? at Sanford though? Yes, yes, we go to two, okay. maybe three games a year. Yes. Okay. All right. So as a fan, where are you at on this? And then I'll, I'll break it down from kind of a media perspective and recruiting perspective. This is uh, I, I kind of lean Kirby's way on this, and 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 part of me is because what is Jacksonville bringing to the table at this point? I I, I just don't see it. And Kirby's point, while I know the past six years he probably hasn't been hurt in recruiting, and that's his point, right? It's recruiting yep. that's hurting, right? The home and home. And and there is a point to be made there. But from a tradition standpoint, I get it. Jacksonville is really cool. Um, but it wouldn't bother. And I think a great point was made. I think it was Kirby that said this. Why not do it in Jacksonville one year and do it at the Georgia Dome the next? That's basically the same type of thing, right? Is it not? So why not do that? And that was kind of laughed at, right? So he he's saying, let's go home and home. And and by the way, guys, this brings back, I want to ask you guys this. Is it an NCAA rule or an SEC rule where players can, or excuse me, recruits cannot be on the field for the Oregon game, for the Jacksonville game? Which rule is that? And and by the way, and that's a dumb rule. I want to say it's, I want to say it's NCAA. I don't think that's SEC. Is it? Yeah, I think that's everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's NCAA. Okay, because they it, have it's uh, stupid. It's completely stupid. Why can't yeah. recruits be on the field at the at the Mercedes Benz game coming up here for the Oregon game? Why? If, if that would happen, it would end this whole argument because I think yeah, that's how absolutely right. Recruiting. Absolutely. So there's that, or you also brought up a good point with splitting them between Atlanta and Jacksonville, kind of give it a fair travel balance for Georgia and Florida mm-hmm. each year. Cause my main thing is I lean towards Kirby's way because yes, recruiting matters. And also the team that that counts as an away game for, I mean, it counts as a home game for you really lose a home game. If it counts mm-hmm. as a home game, cause it's not really a full home game, which kind of, if I was in, in Georgia or Florida's camp that year, I'd be like, well, we basically have an extra road game or half road game. And also for Georgia, they're always traveling five hours. Like Jacksonville is one of the biggest Florida fan base areas. Have it as a home and home because I think it's one of those deals where the tradition is the game itself. If the rivalry and the and the game itself is the main part of that tradition. I understand the split field. I know Tim Tebow was talking about you have red on one side and the, uh, and the blue on the other. I get that. And I get you're losing that. That visual is the only thing to me that you would be losing. Cause if you have a home and home each, you get to see Florida come to Athens between the hedges and you get to see Georgia play in the swamp. I think that would be cool. And I just think for recruiting, I think for everything, cause that's the game every year Kirby would want recruits at. Instead yep. he's got a handpick. Is Auburn going to be a good game this year? Is it Tennessee? 
Is it, oh, do I have a team coming? Like, is Alabama coming this year? Because that would be a big game. It's one of those deals where that Florida game, he can say every year, okay, I want recruits there if it's a home game. And I think for both coaches, it works for both because you're getting an equal standing. So I think they should go home and home 100%. I would have rather gotten to cover a game at the Swamp. I always had to cover a Hell yeah. I mean, Hell yeah. Uh, like, I would love I would love to go to the Swamp and cover yeah. a game. That would be so sick. So I've I've actually been there, but not for a Georgia-Florida game. I never – and I wasn't even in Florida. I was just like – it was actually for Georgia-Florida. We had friends uh, when I was in school, and we had friends who went to Florida. So we went – you can like – at least then, you could just like walk into the football stadium and walk around uh, – Ben Hill Griffin and um, so we would now that's that's, that's a selfish that's a, that's a selfish reason. Give us the overall perspective here. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I think home and homes are. I think those those are cooler. I, I think having. Uh, I, I'm I'm really not. The older I get, again, this is my second old man yelling at a cloud moment today. The older I get, the the less I enjoy the neutral site experience. I think uh, the true home field advantage should be at play every time. Now. And I think also for Kirby's point, so Kirby loves the uh, the uh, neutral site, like the Chick Fil A kickoff games. I mean, he, he's mm-hmm. clearly a fan of those. So if you're gonna, well, because they're they're in Georgia, they're they're literally right up the road. He knows 80 percent of the fans there. Carolina too, with with you know in Charlotte with Clemson. So I mean, it's not like you know it's only been Atlanta, but yeah. he's a fan of those games because it's you know it's an early test against uh, a big opponent, neutral field. You know, it's a showcase game. So if I get where he, where he's saying, it's like, okay, if we're going to lose recruiting for one game, it would I would rather be that than, you know, big time rivalry game. Um, I just and I I think just how electric, just from the Georgia perspective, just how freaking crazy it would be to to host Florida at Sanford. Now that I mean I know they did in the uh, in the nineties uh, those two years and it didn't go so well. Don't talk about that, please. Don't talk about that. <laughs> but. But uh, you know, these days it's a it's a much better much better state of the program. So uh, I, I just I, I can only imagine what it would be like, uh, you know, to see Florida come to Georgia and, and between the hedges and and just to see how electric that crowd would be. The contrast. Well, if you next- ask Kirby, I'm sorry. If you ask Kirby off the record, if he would rather have a cash for clunker game at home to start the season or what's coming up in September against Oregon, he'd take that every day, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. For sure. The 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 Jacksonville contract runs out in 2023, if I'm not mistaken, right? So they have this year and next year, and then they're gonna have to re-up the contract in Jacksonville. One thing about Kirby Smart guys is whatever Kirby wants at the University of Georgia, Kirby's gotten so far. He's he's everything that he's asked for has been given to him. Um, and rightfully so, the man won a national championship. So if he wants this game to be changed, and he made a really good point. If you go watch the two-minute clip that he does with Tebow, I think it was Tebow, McElroy, somebody else. Tebow was, you know, advocating for Jacksonville. And, and Kirby goes, look, it's all about recruiting for me, man. Like, if if I would love to continue to play this game there, but I'm losing a home game every other year. Where this could be, like Ben said, a huge, huge game. I'm looking at the schedule, right, guys? So this year, just this year, you've got Oregon, Georgia. Can't have any recruits there. Samford at Georgia. You can't. I guess you can have recruits there, but who who wants to be out there? It's Cares. gonna be it's gonna be September tenth at four o'clock. It's gonna be ninety seven degrees. Nobody wants to come to that. Then you go to South Carolina. Then Kent State's a home game at noon. Ooh, whoop de doo. Then you go to Missouri. 
oh, finally you can have a recruiting weekend in October 8th if Auburn is any good. If they still have a head coach by then, you can maybe have one then. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, oh, let's go the next week. Vanderbilt's in town. Whoopee, come on, four-star and five-star guys. Get riled up to see Clark Lee and his team come in here and get beat by 50. Uh, then you got Florida, Georgia, which this year, if it was a home-and-home series, this game would be in Athens. This would be the first big weekend that Georgia could have – like real recruits on campus, official visit type stuff, October 29th. Now you have to wait until November against Tennessee. You better, you got to hope Tennessee is good. And if not, then you're going to Mississippi state, you're going to Kentucky. And then you have Georgia tech, which will probably be a noon kick new November 26. So you have one, maybe two games you can bring recruits in this year. Whereas if this was how Kirby wants it, there's his prime game right there, Georgia, Florida. It's 3.30, CBS. He's got damn near 80 kids, four and five stars, sitting in the stands. But now he it's tough. I see where he's coming from. And he still is able to recruit the way he does. But losing out that game against Oregon and Georgia and Florida this year, you can't have recruits at your two biggest games. It's tough. Well, yeah. Paul, I just noticed actually counter kind of contradict myself. When Vanderbilt and Georgia Tech are road games, they're basically additional home games. So there is that balance in there, but they're not big games is what I mean. But right. Yeah. Um, Brett Weimer seems to think that the boosters may outvote Kirby on this one and the potential. They, they have all those houses down there uh, that they love to go to, but at the same time, St. Simon's Island's like, you know, I think a hundred, uh, what is it? 81 miles, something like that. Oh, it's, an it's, hour and a half to get there. Yeah. It's still an hour and a half to get there from St. Simon's. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, man, there's been some crazy, crazy times in Jacksonville. When I was a student, I went to uh, three games in Jacksonville. And the last one, dude just got hit by a car wearing jean shorts, uh, walked down the middle of the road, got hit by an Escalade, dude. Boom. Right in front of us. Laid out. It was a Florida guy. Florida. He was a Florida guy. It was a Florida fan. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah, no, dude. So, so he, he, I'm, I'm not kidding you. He's walking on the sidewalk and he just walks in the middle of the road. This Escalade oh. smacks him, lays down. The Escalade stays there for maybe five seconds. And they're like, ah, screw it. They go around him. Oh, so we're walking up. We're like, dude, holy cow, is this guy okay? We walk up before we can even get to him. Buddy stands back up and just starts running. And I was like, he's got to have some broken bones. I mean, he, he got hit 25, 30 miles an hour right oh. in front of us started running the other way just screaming obscenities as he was running jacksonville it's it's a place you need to try at least once um we had we had to park somewhere like on the we uh one year we had to park we couldn't find parking we didn't buy a parking pass we drove down uh we ended up parking in this guy's backyard who gave us barbecue and a free parking well not free but we ended up paying $40 for the spot, all four of us, all you can eat barbecue with him and his family and everybody. And then we walked over the highway while the highway was still moving over the highway to get to the stadium. So it's, it's one of those things, man. Um, you know, it, there's plenty of stories. I'm sure Eddie has some stories from going down to Jacksonville. I'm sure Jason has some. Yeah. It's one of those things where you have those stories, but at the same time, you, I would love to see Florida come to Georgia. And likewise, I'd love to see Georgia in that atmosphere in the swamp. You can't tell me but that right now, the way that rivalries are, and everybody's talking about, you don't want to lose rivalries. You don't want to, you know, these conference realignments. Well, maybe start a new rivalry, 
start playing in the swamp, start playing between the hedges, and let's see what happens, you know. Uh, I think if we've learned pretty- anything over the past couple of years, guys, college football is no longer like we thought it was. Okay? Mm. So the, the Jacksonville game is – a, a minute thing to change compared to what's going on overall, right? Yeah. Uh, Phil makes a good point, though. Jacksonville Bulldog Club is the biggest club outside the state of Georgia. There, that is a huge uh, booster club down there. I don't know, man. I it's Kirby, man. They're paying this guy. They're paying this guy over ten million dollars a year to coach football. Yeah, like <laughs> that, that's it. And all it takes, all it takes, Phil, for that Jacksonville Bulldog Club to be turned to Kirby's side is for Kirby to go down there, meet with them and say, look guys, this isn't, I, I love Jacksonville, but don't you guys like winning national championships more? If mm-hmm. I can have this home game, if I can have this home game every couple of years, I can bring in more guys, get you another championship. And I'm sorry, we can't play the game in Jacksonville anymore. Everybody in the, everybody in the, in the freaking Bulldog club would be standing up clapping. Oh my God, praise him. You know, so. Like, would they, hypothetically speaking, would they just stop donating money? They're like, oh, my gosh, we lost the Jacksonville game. We're not going to spend money on Georgia football anymore. In Jackson, downtown Jacksonville, man, is not the best. It's not fun. It's like a business area. It's, really it's a business area, and it's just kind of gone downhill, man. So it's it's not it's not where you want to be. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Cool Cell asks, can we flip the running back submitted to Louisville? Look at Fred F. answering for me, man. We have to wait till tomorrow. Rumor versus facts. Blaine versus Blaine Jed. I appreciate that, Fred F., and I appreciate the question, Cool Cell. Um, I don't want to take everything away from the rumors versus facts, guys. We're just here to talk and have a good time. Um, but that is a good question, Cool Cell. Come back tomorrow and ask those guys. Um, what I will say, and Ben, maybe you can back me up on this, and I've been saying this, and I can't wait to be freaking right on this, so – I don't know. I don't know who's going to, you know, I can pin it to. I'll probably pin it to Ben, but Kirby's playing chess, not checkers with this NIL stuff, guys. And there's going to be a lot of flips, man. But Kirby is playing that chess, not checkers game. He's not giving that early money. And I'm not saying he gives the money. Let, let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. Yeah. None of the coaches give money at any of these schools. You, but you guys get what I'm saying, right? The NIL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the NIL is not being given out right now in Athens compared to your Miami's, your Texas A&M's, your Texas's, things of that nature. Kirby, this isn't his first rodeo, man. Kirby's been around a long time. He's a damn good recruiter. You think he's just going to get out recruited by these guys that are Steve Sarkeesian and Jimbo Fisher, who, you know, eight and four and Mario Cristobal first year at Miami. No, he's sitting back and he's going to, he's playing chestnut checkers before signing day. You're going to see a couple guys flip that you're going to be like, Oh man, I thought we were out on that. Not so fast. Money's still there, and that's all, that's all I want to say on that. I, I, I yeah, because Paul, the one thing I'll also add: seven of Georgia's nine highest-rated commitments last year came in October or later. In 2018, they only had through the end of the summer one rivals 250 player committed. That was Amir White. They ended up signing eight five stars that year, inside in the best class ever in Georgia's program history. One of the best ever, you know, A&M and Alabama the last two years, each had a class that has been all time great from what it looks like. So when I look at it, you look last year, Marvin Jones wasn't in it hardly at all. They got him as, as a five-star that he wasn't even talked about with Georgia. Michael Williams, uh, Bear Alexander is pretty much going to A&M. There was a Singletary and Everett. These guys were committed to other schools and they got him. I think Kirby's approach is, and he kind of said it at the press conference. And I had been hearing this. He's focusing a lot on retention. 
where you look at he has a bunch of guys have NIL on the team because they're playing. They're actively playing. They're actively producing revenue for the school. So you're giving NIL deals to people on the team that will keep them. You're not going to have key guys transfer out of the program as much. You're going to be able to maybe hold on to guys who, you know, they're five, four star guys who aren't playing early on. You might be able to keep them through NIL and through things of that nature. So it's big on retention. And I also think with NIL is later in the cycle, let's say a coach gets fired at a school that's that's already guaranteed a guy a lot of money. He brought up Ruben Owens at Louisville. Let's say Louisville's head coach gets fired. This happened to Michael Williams. I'm not saying he got NIL promises, but USC did fire their coach. And you look at then he ended up flipping. With Ruben Owens, oh, he loses uh, Louisville's coach is gone. Oh, his price goes down for how much he wants. Okay, well, that's reasonable in our ballpark that we're willing to spend. That's fair for an NIL package. Also, when guys later in the cycle, let's say a guy is a huge year and you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting to lose him to the draft because now he's a first or second round pick or, oh, this guy's unhappy and is dead set on transferring for whatever reason. Then, you know, oh, I have a desperate need. Maybe it allows them to, you know, want to get more aggressive with NIL at certain players. I think that's going to happen later in the cycle. And I think that's a part of, you know, his his thought process. Kirby's. Yeah, I mean, uh I think all of those things are correct. But also what's kind of weird, though, is that, you know, the whole NIL thing is supposed to be once you get on campus and it's now being made to these high school kids before it's it, – NIL, Coach Don said it best on the show the other day, now it's legal. That's that's all NIL stuff. <laughs> right. Now well, it's legal. All, all Kirby then, did the other day was he raised some issues and some questions about the NIL. It wasn't like he wasn't going to participate. Everybody I've read said – Oh, Kirby's screwing up. He's not going to get involved with NIL. That's not true at all. He just raised no. some valid questions, which I have, y'all have, about this NIL thing. And I think it went like this. It ramped way up, and we're going to come to a point and it's going to level off at some point, right? There will be some regulation. Is, yeah. right, now, right now, it's completely out of control, and it's going to be reined in at some point. And that's all Kirby was saying, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think – Two, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, I don't know if y'all saw Shannon Sharp's uh, rant about yeah, oh, yeah. raid on Kirby. Yeah, yeah that was it, was. it was just so off base because he he clearly missed the overall point of what basically what Eddie was saying is he's in favor of the players getting paid and getting the NIL deals, but when you are talking about a recruit getting a higher end package than a player already on the roster who has been accomplished, I mean, like. There, there is going to be an issue, I think, um, when it comes to uh, that, that will have to be regulated to a degree where, where, you know, a salary cap, if you will, on incoming recruits because right. the fact that you can go all out on. Yeah, but then, because, but then what, go ahead. Once, you, once you do a salary cap, though, you're going to have to change the tier system in college football because the Georgia Techs of the world cannot keep up with the Georgias of the world. No, no, that, that that actually would help a Georgia Tech if you had a cap on what you can spend on a recruit because then, like, Georgia Tech can't go spend Miami money. Like they're, they're, they're throwing around with these guys. But if you bring it in and, and you, you know, kind of say, all right, this is the most amount of a package you can put together for a player, that would actually create more of a level playing field while still operating in a free market economy. And I'm yeah. sure you all saw Nakobe Dean's tweet. Yeah, Shannon Sharp, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nailed it. Where I saw the Shannon Sharp uh, 
uh, video was it was because of Nicobe Dean. And uh, yeah. I mean, Shannon Sharp's comments were so off base because he literally said Kirby Smart, after three to four years, doesn't care about his players. That that's right. you, you can't right. say that you can't. And Shannon Sharp's never met Kirby Smart. Hasn't met most of the players that have played for him and have been through that program. I mean, Thomas Davis and Kirby Smart communicate a lot, and they're close. He didn't even play for him. He was a UGA alumni. So, like, this stuff, to me, that comments are really off-based. If you want to debate about NIL, and also Kirby's point was, you know, pay the players that are already in the program rather than focus on high school kids who aren't even in the program. That's what his main point was, and he interpreted it as, oh, young people shouldn't deserve to have money or they can't handle it. That's not what he's saying. And that point is both true and false. Young people can and can't handle money. We've all seen that before. Everybody, and that's people who aren't even involved in NIL, college football. We've all met people like that. So I think what Shannon Sharp said was really off base. I don't think he really interpreted the comments well. And and bashing him on the uh, players not caring. Marlon Humphrey played for him at Alabama, and he was so appreciative of Kirby after they won the title and he was at the game for Bama and he was so proud of Kirby. Like that's a relationship that's been built for so many years. So like that stuff, you can't go that far. You, you can't say. And, that. And, and, and then he throws in Kirby's salary. Like that has anything to do with it. That's a, that's just stupid to me. The one has nothing to do with the other, right? Kirby's being paid because of the job he's doing. It has nothing to do with the NIL stuff. But Shane well, yeah, had to lump all that stuff in together, right? Yeah, and he's lumping it in as if, like, he he, he was trying to make this point that uh, he was complaining about the, the younger kids getting paid more than the older kids. And then he was trying to stretch it and say, well, he just doesn't want the kids to get paid. And it's like, that's oh, not no. at all what he said. Oh, so, exactly. I mean, and then his point was was right on, I thought, was, uh, and that's what well, that is going to be. And I think Lane Kiffin had a similar, similar point when it just came to, you know, the regulation of NIL where you're going to have to, there, there has to come a point where there's going to have to be um, there's somebody stepping in and saying, uh, this is what we cap this at, especially for the incoming guys, because um, yeah, you're talking about bidding wars um, that, are, that just become absurd to where you kind of remember back in the, the NFL had to, had to put in a cap for uh, draft picks because, you know, yep. we had a can't, uh, who was it? Um, I guess Cam Newton was the first one, I think, who – I thought it was Sam Bradford. Or maybe it was Bradford. Maybe Cam Newton was the last. I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, Matt Stafford's a great example. Like, he he got, like, a $76 million deal and never taken an NFL snap. And it's kind of like you got a guy on a third, fourth year of his rookie deal who was a third, fourth-round draft pick who's not touching what, what a guy who has not played a snap just signed. So – um, I think you're going to have to see some of that uh, that regulation come into place in terms of uh, these these uh, incoming recruits for their NIL deals. Jeff Hightop says, uh, speaking of flips, you think the wide receivers signed with Penn State? Winky face. Uh, Jeff, come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow, Jeff. Jeff P, though, says, uh, why can't the rule just be changed that recruits can be invited to the Jacksonville game? I think it, it – correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think it's a security issue – uh, like trying to get the kids and transportation issue and everything like that, where it's not a home stadium. I think it has something to do with that, Jeff. I don't want to put my neck out there too far, but I think it has something to do with like a logistical security thing. Um, and the recruiting sections, every home stadium has a recruiting section, right? And they don't because they're neutral site fields, so they don't have right. recruiting sections. I think that's so part they're, of having, they're having to travel to Athens. These kids aren't, don't all live in Athens. What the heck's the difference? Yeah, I, I think though, I think. The stadium wants to sell those tickets 
Whereas at Georgia, they don't sell those tickets. They, no, they don't. Recruit. Yeah, they reserve them for recruits. There's a whole section recruit. reserved. Um, so Fred F. says, it sets a bad, bad precedence. How do you get paid before you even work on the job? Well, Ben, Ben gets paid all the time. He doesn't do much work. But anyway, uh, we don't want a team full of entitled players like Ben. Um, so it's hey. weird. I mean, Paul's managed to be the world's longest intern somehow, too. I, I don't know how that's still a thing. But no, it but does. No, Paul, it, you did bring up this point, though, about NIL. A kid who in high school hasn't played a down in college yet, compared to let's say you're a kid who's now you're getting playing time, you're good, and you're getting 100 grand. You're like, this kid just got a million dollars to come to the school. He may bust and not do anything, could sit around, be lazy. He's getting a million dollars. What does that do to in a locker room? I'm curious what it will do. I get that it's allowed and I get it, but I'm curious what it's going to do to some of these lockers. Like AM comes in, some of the current players at AM are like, look at what I made, but they had to pay you to come here and you don't even care because you think you're set, you know, for a long time with your money. That's where I think it's going to be interesting to watch going forward. Here's also a cool thing, Eddie. Uh, Kirby Smart said at SEC Media Days 95 guys, 95 guys at Georgia's, uh, on Georgia's roster are getting NIL money right now. So that's, 10 walk-ons plus the 85 scholarship guys are getting some form. He didn't say how much could be a dollar. It could be a thousand. It could be 10. It could be whatever are getting some form of NIL money. So 95 guys in Athens are getting NIL money. So it's not that Kirby's not playing this game. And, and I think that that Kirby was really trying to get that narrative squashed at yeah. media days. They're playing the game, but he's, he's not going to, He's not going to play it to – there's a certain level you stop, I think, and I think that's what he was getting at. You want to – you don't want to uh, – Are you? I think the, the 2018 class taught him a lot of lessons. Uh, 18, is that right? The one with Brenton Cox and the one with Cade oh, the, That That class because that that was the one where he they, – they were like, okay, we got to evaluate the – I mean, I guess character is probably the best word to use. We have to evaluate guys – more so, or, or add character into a bigger part of the equation. We're guys who want to be here for Georgia, who want to play football, who who aren't me first guys. And that class had quite a few me first guys. And so I think NIL, there is a component of that because Lane Kiffin says NIL is the most important thing to these recruits. And then Kirby's like, okay, if NIL is the most important thing to you, then maybe I, I don't necessarily need you like we're gonna get the best guys as it is or, or get a good group of guys as it is and if you're concerned more about the money before the football because you have to be able to play football to make the big money down the road then um maybe your priorities aren't right and maybe you're not a fit of georgia and so i think that to me is where where the long game comes into play paul where you don't throw the money up front and if you're still set on a kid he's got the right intentions and he can and he commands that kind of money then you come back around and you want up it at the end. Jason oh, just hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what Kirby's going to do. It's exactly oh, what he's going to do. You, you know it's going to be his easy, simple sales pitch. All right. You look so comfortable. You look unbelievably comfortable right now. I know. How I comfortable are you? Look, chair is do you look you look like you, you're you're living your life right now. It is a recliner. I don't. I, I have a whole thing with the laptop on it. I don't want to kick I mean, it. I mean, feet are up. Great. Are his feet up? Yeah, I mean, feet, feet up? up. I mean, wow. No, they aren't because I have a thing set up here to look All at right. you, Paul. But you I look, wish. It does have a recliner, though. But. Is this a new recliner? Yeah, I just got it. 
I actually look, picked up, I had this leather chair. I don't know what happened to it. The shit ripped off of it. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, all right, this is destroyed. So I picked it up. I carried it up to my old elementary school. Well, what and, are you doing uh, on your recliner to rip, rip it up? I mean, that's not right. a leather one. The, the leather was ripping school. off of it, like where I was sitting. I don't know what was happening. I'm like, okay, this thing's damaged. I literally picked it up last night, carried it all the way up the road, just threw it in the dumpster. I was like, okay. And then I went to the store and just bought this. I literally just went to a store, furniture store nearby. So, so you got you got, so, you got got recliner money is what you're telling me. You just I got, do. I have recliner money. I do not have wow. the NIO money, but I do have the recliner money. Wow. <laughs> I get the $200 deals, Paul. <laughs> I don't know what's weirder about that story, how the leather just randomly rips up off of your chair yeah. or that you walked a chair up to your old elementary school and threw it in the dumpster. I don't know which which parts. They're both equally weird to me, um, but you look comfortable. What were, what, were you, what were you talking about, Ben? No, but I was going to say his sales pitch is you look at some of the money and I've been thinking these guys aren't making money that's going to set them for life. And that's one thing because you're getting six figures. Six figures is going to set you up for a few years. And to some guys, that's a lot. I get that. But it's not going to set you up for life. What Kirby's going to say is, do you want to be set up and you want to play for the long term and play long in the NFL and get $36 million like Trayvon Walker, or do you want to get this guaranteed up front six-figure money right now? And that's what he's going to tell people. You want the $36 million that you could potentially make like Trayvon got, or do you want the six figures right now that's going to set you up for the next couple of years but not for life? Like Trayvon yeah. is, who he hasn't played down in the NFL. He's set for life, and he only started one year at Georgia. Just want to I, point that out. I get that, but also, Eddie, if we go down this list of 2018 guys who we thought were going to be great, uh, Otis Reese, Tommy Bush, Devod Wilson, Nadab Joseph. Oh, Nadab Joseph. I, I, I don't know about that, Paul. Britton Cox. Uh, I mean, but there's a lot of names on this list that got drafted. But at the same time, there's a lot of guys that didn't. So like that, it's a weird, it's weird because you have to, it's kind of a burden to hand with the NIL at this, at this one school, or you could go to Georgia and wait it out and hope you get drafted. Is that the right play, Eddie? Or, or do you mix them? So I'm not sure about that, but I actually came into this tonight and I wanted to ask you guys a question. And this NIL thing is the perfect segue. You guys are in the weeds on recruiting. Okay. Guys, Live and breathe this stuff, and I love it, and I appreciate it. But these kids coming out of high school, and I'm not knocking any kid. Brock Vandergrift comes out of a single-A high school versus a kid that comes out of a 7-A high school, okay? Is there any consensus or thinking about maybe we need to re-rank how these kids come out because the NIL may give more money to a – seven a kid that's coming out versus a one a kid is that is that something that weighs in here when it comes to recruiting for you guys are you talking uh are you talking about like ranking them on rivals or what are you talking about well i mean is a kid that's coming out all right let's say the number one kid in high school is coming out of high school is a one a and the number two kid is a seven a should that seven a kid jump that one a kid because he's competing in seven a competition other states may have six or whatever. Is that something that goes into there? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but Competition weighs for sure. Yeah, and it might not weigh so but I, much. But I think, the- but I think that could be something going forward with the NIL, where the colleges look at these kids coming out of a one A school. All right, we're going to pay this guy a little less because he wasn't up. He wasn't playing against the competition that a seven A kid. 
that's going to be, that's going to, I think that I, I see where you're going with this. That's going to be up to each individual college though, because if, if you can get the number one player in the nation, but he only played one a and you're a Louisville, like you got Ruben Owens, you're going to take them. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas there might be a kit and I'm not saying Ruben Owens is playing in a bad classification, but let's just say Ruben Owens is playing in a bad class classification. He's running all over everybody. Um, wasn't it Andrew Paul last cycle, Ben, that played yeah. in a really low uh, right. classification? It was like but he blew up late in the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It was, but it was like a Texas 1A Christian. Like it, it, it was some, it wasn't the highest competition. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And he completely and, dominated. Right. Right. Yeah. So then right. Georgia took him. So you look at the reverse like that. It's like, oh, well, you know, th- th- those are where you find your flyers at. So it's I see where you're going. It's but at, at the same time, I don't know if that's going to affect NIL, because if you can get a kid that's highly rated and you can get him on your, your campus and you can you can bring him in like Louisville did with yeah. Ruben Owens. I think you're going to take them. It doesn't matter what classification they're in. Jason. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, they, they, these guys do so much evaluating. Um, that while we're Ben, you know, Ben said, uh, competition matters and that is taken into account. I think at the same time, there, there are guys where they're going to say, okay, he destroyed the camp circuit. So his competition at the high school level doesn't matter. He's just that good of a talent. Okay, um, yeah. we, we got to put it up as, as much as possible. So I think it, it weighs. Um, I think there are, I think Andrew Paul is a good example of uh, somebody who probably is not getting the biggest NIL package because. Um, one, he's, he's at a position where there's already established guys, so he's probably not going to play this year, but he's also, uh, not the bigger name running back in this class. You know, uh, old Branson's the guy that, that, that's going to get the, uh, get the money, uh, at that, that sure. position. So, um, I, I think, I think those things, it, it, I guess it's not as, as simple as that. I think every, it's all complex and always fluid, uh, and, and it's uh, this. It's going to be interesting to see how the strategy evolves, especially when when regulation comes into play, which it inevitably will, because um, the strategies behind constructing getting your collectives to uh, stru- uh, structure these NIL deals, um, you know, on a per player basis, whether it's retention or recruiting, um, there it's it's going to create a, a ton of work. Um, I can only imagine, you know, Matt Hibbs' team uh, probably needing to grow at a certain point. Um, just, just to be able to keep up with, uh, you know, what's going to come next in terms of uh, NIL rules and regulations from the NCAA. So it sounds like that's that's irrelevant. It's just kind of sh- going to shake out on its own, right? I that think so. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think, I think to so. regulate it, you have to make it so you can't, like, pay for play. Like, you can't pay kids directly to high school. It's be more of, like, the kids who stay But isn't, that, isn't that what's happening right now? No, no, no. So, They're paying kids out of high school. I said they shouldn't pay them out yeah, of I know. School to go yeah. to your school. That's because then it's like the kids going to the school for the relationships and that, but then they get the money when they're really like, okay, they're established stars or the boosters are like, all right, we're just going to dump a bunch of money in the collective and they'll even it out and throw it at the kids or, you know, companies will be like, all right, now we'll throw money at a kid that's here. Instead of saying, we're going to throw $500,000 if you come to our school. It's more of, okay, you can make this money if you come to our school potentially, but you can't offer money directly to a recruit at a high school. You can while they're in college, though. That, that's why I think the regulation should be. One thing I want to wrap up the show with, we've got about five minutes, is I saw over the week uh, that the NCAA is going to be voting on potentially transfers being eligible to play immediately multiple times. Uh, so it's kind of like – I don't know how basketball does it. Basketball does it already, I think. 
you can transfer six times and, and you, you can play at six different schools somehow. Uh, it's weird. But because um, Texas Tech last year had like 17 guys transfer and they made it to the Elite Eight. But anyways, they're talking about doing it uh, across NCAA and that would be football. So now you've brought in this massive, you've finally let the cat out of the bag with NIL. And now you're thinking of letting kids transfer numerous times. It's getting closer and closer and closer to the NFL. Uh, but with the NFL, you have more regulations because you have these guys under contract. They can't just leave after a year. Yeah, so it's, not the NFL. <laughs> so it's, even, it's even worse than the NFL because these guys in the NFL, at least under contract for three, four years or however long you want to lock them up, this is a one-year deal, and this could completely swing how college football kind of moves forward. What's your guys? I'm going to ask all three of you guys. What's your take on that? Because apparently they're going to be voting on it whenever they vote again. I think in October or something like that. But so if they voted to- yes, when would it take place, Paul? I did. I, I don't know if I read that deep into it, Eddie. Um, I, I would assume probably if they voted yes, it would it would probably be immediate. I don't see why yeah, it wouldn't no. be. So it would be after the after this year. Um, so, but yeah, that's the new thing is, is, uh, multiple transfers potentially what, what's I, with NIL, I don't, I just don't know how you can't get tampering like how Jordan Addison goes from Pitt to USC and that's going to happen every single year. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to roster management recruiting is going to change. I mean, we're talking about a completely different ball game if that happens, right? Oh, wow. It's um, I mean, it, it to me it's 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 ridiculous because so I'm not trying to advocate that they should be they should stay at the school. I think it's obviously everybody has different situations, but um, at, at a certain point, if if you go this route, you almost have to you have to go that extra step and um and, and if, if you want to keep players at a university for more than a year, uh you have to you have to go the route and make them employees and have them sign contracts and maybe they're two year deals before you can transfer or something like that because uh, so something to that effect because otherwise you are risking like if you have a recruiting class come in that coach gets fired already guys are gonna leave as it is and now now you're talking about they can leave not only can guys in that freshman class leave now you're talking about other guys who have already transferred in and they can leave without penalty now. The roster management is going the, – the the downside to this, especially in a sport like football, is going to be uh, potentially disastrous for a lot of teams And uh, unless you're at the, the, the top of the pecking order. So I get the I get why. I mean, you want to give these guys – you know, they've been uh, – I think college athletes have um, – especially in football, they haven't received their fair share. They've been restricted in terms of uh, – you know they can't leave, but without penalty. But the coach can leave and take another job. So I get it. But you know, if you're going to make all these steps to um to to kind of fix it and then maybe even swing it to the opposite end of the pendulum, uh, you're going to have to then figure out a way to to, uh, to keep it from going completely off the rails because um that that's the potential that I, I think this has. It it can be maybe a, a good thing in theory that ends up being a, a total cluster and at the end of the day and and uh maybe it forces it forces them to become employees with contracts because otherwise uh yeah you're, you're gonna have a, a mad dash free agency every year i think 
Here's the thing, Ben. If you if this goes into place and you can every year a kid can transfer without penalty, period. Yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna have the developmental Chris Smiths, the William Pools, the Robert Beals that have stuck with your university and grinded it out. They're they're gonna get left in the dust because if Georgia can now and Alabama can now and Ohio State can now jump in and basically take the best player from Washington State who got 20 sacks last year. Well, you're just going to put him in instead of Robert waiting on a developmental Robert Beal. You'll take that kid because he can transfer immediately. Even though he transferred to Washington State from Arizona State last year, he broke out there and now he can transfer again. It's just it's going to this this snowball effect, man. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. And I see where they're going with it trying to let these guys uh fred f says this is the kevin durant model <laughs> fred, you're on fire tonight man yeah fred is, i mean it, he's he's not wrong though it yeah. is kind of the kevin durant model because you're gonna have kids leaving jumping ship man and then if you only if you keep that scholarship rest- restriction to 25 per year i don't know how some teams are going to field 85 kids well no uh, the 25 rule i think is i could be wrong but i think they voted on it being gone for the next two years, um, I believe well, then, so. If, if because the 25 this- rule has to be gone, in my opinion, or else it's like there's going to be so many kids stuck in the transfer portal, stuck in all these places that there's going to be so many guys who just aren't going to be eligible to play college football. If there isn't, you allow for space. It's just the 85. But here's my thing about that. With the transfer, with now the transfer, you could transfer however many times. It's just not good. Because now we talked earlier about Kirby and him being exhausted. Well, now you have to recruit your players every freaking year. Even the players that you got to transfer in, you have to recruit the players that you got to transfer in again. Like that's the issues with this transfer portal and NIL. You got to recruit your own team. You got to recruit other teams' players. You have to deal with tampering behind the scenes that teams are doing. You got to deal with NIL deals and how the boosters – that, that is the issue with why Kirby said there's going to be a massive burnout issue, and this is going to accelerate it, and it's going to be so bad for the smaller teams to be able to compete. Now, one of the bright spots is, let's say that there's a four- or five-star recruit who isn't playing, who is not going to get much NIL money because they're like, we saw you one or two years, you didn't play much, or you weren't that good. Now you can go to a Washington State, maybe you get on the field, maybe those players can turn out and revitalize their career. So I think we, you could see more of that, which I think that, that could be a good thing, just seeing that some players that were perceived as busts go to the smaller schools, maybe turn them around. That's one of the only maybe positives, but I just don't think it's good because guys can just leave whenever, however many times. I don't think that I don't think that's good at all. Well, think about your under-recruited three-star who uh, blows up in year one at Kansas State or uh, – I think of a even Vanderbilt for that matter, and then you think you know, those programs are excited, and then that guy's like, "Okay, I blew up. Now I'm going to Alabama." I mean, I think that scenario is is, is one that you would have to worry about. I think there's a, I I, I just think that at the end of the day, um, and I think there was a comment. Um, if Paul can pull up Magoo's comment, um, this is kind of I, w- I want to bring that up. Um, this was a. Uh, Kind of what I was getting at before. Um, so no, like right now, NIL deals are name, image, likeness. So they're profiting off of their person, who they are, 
Um, I'm, a, I'm a football player. I'm getting a deal with this company brokered through a collective that's not tied to the university. So those contracts have nothing to do with their standing at the athletic uh, program that they're at. So they couldn't. They can take the money, they're, you know, the one-year whatever deal that they get with their package and, um, and then leave after that, go to another school. So that's where they would have to actually become employees, which the NCAA has long resisted. And um, uh, and then I'm not going to clown on uh, all Mark Emmert tonight, but he's obviously <laughs> problem uh, as to why we've gotten here. But um, until they, and so that, that's why they would have to essentially become employees of the university, get paid by the get paid additionally by the university, and then get contracts similar to other employees of the university to where. Uh, that it would stipulate, you know, two years, three years, like you can't leave without, you know, repaying part of a signing bonus or this or that. So um, yeah, that that's kind of where things uh, stand uh, and, and why this is uh, just, it, it, there's going to be so many unintended consequences that could go awry with this uh, transferring every year uh, sort of thing, uh, you know, in, in college football, in my estimation. Here's a quote before we shut down the show, guys. Quoted from Jimbo Fisher, told CBS Sports, says, uh, a kid can go as many times as he wants and doesn't have to graduate? Question mark? Wow. It just opens recruitment of your own players by other schools. Everybody can recruit yeah. them. That's yeah. what they're doing with third parties anyway with agents. Agents are coming in and saying, I can get you a better deal here. So, guys, buckle up because Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports says uh, – the transfer portal is his title. This article is the transfer portal is about to get even wilder when the NCAA allows players to transfer multiple times. Get ready to see athletes play for four schools in four years when yeah. the NCAA approves new transfer rules next month. So he says, he says that, uh, by next month, this will be approved. And whoa, you want to talk about, you want to talk about the off season being wild. Oh yeah. Yeah. Guys, we're we're not gonna. Goodness, I mean, it, well, the gonna, one the one solution is is what the NCAA doesn't want to do. It's it's, it's they become employees. They don't want that. It's gonna become insane. But for us guys, we appreciate you so much. And before we leave, Jason, can you say what he what Edward's saying? I know San uh, he's in San Paulo, Brazil. But what is he he's saying to us? I have no idea. Um, that's Portuguese. It would I would assume. So um, I don't you want know. me to look that up? Yeah, look that up. Look that up. But uh, right, hold on. Be... A beautiful place. I know that. I've never been, but yeah, beautiful place. I think he's saying. I, I want to say Boa Noite is. This is good evening. Boa Noite. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah. There we go. Well, we appreciate it. Edward. Good evening to you over there in uh, Salto, San Paulo, Brazil. Darius Senior getting news of this on the show says, "Wow, yeah, Darius, it's going to be wild uh, if these uh, new transfer rules come through." Uh, next month. We'll let you know. But also, guys, next week, last Sunday before camp starts. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I do know what we're going to talk about. We're going to go through the schedule. Yes. We're going to go through each game, and we're going to have our predictions. I had all this stuff written down for tonight's show. We didn't get to any of it, but that's fine. Um, next you week, we're going to – Paul, we got to get one of those sites that does the betting odds, and we'll do the – because I know some of them are going to be clear cut. Georgia's going to win. We're going to have. Oh, to you're talking about spreads? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if spreads on some. I don't know if a lot of those games are going to have spreads. Have the first week right now. Yeah, they're not the, going to have spreads. The Power Five games. They're not going to have spreads yet. 
No, they won't. Have, I, no. I saw one place that did have hypothetical spreads for Georgia. Oh, hypothetical, okay. Okay, so yeah, maybe we can making it up on their own. Yeah, we can do some hypothetical. We can maybe make up some uh, yeah. make up some lines. But guys, that's what we'll be doing next week. We'll be going through the schedule, seeing if Georgia can make it to twelve and zero. All three of us will put our predictions in, and we'll go against the spread. Whatever, we'll find a way. Uh, guys, we appreciate you so much, and ladies that were watching, had a great show. We talked a ton about transfers. Talked a ton about uh, what else we talk about? Kirby Smart's salary. Talked about media days. Hope you guys had fun. Phil Rogers says, go dogs. Antoine says, see you tomorrow. Uh, for Look at Antoine putting me, in a, putting me in a good spot. See you guys tomorrow for Rumors versus Facts with uh, Jed and Blaine and Trent. We appreciate you as always, guys. Next week, last Sunday before fall camp, going to be fun. Can't wait to get going. Football is so close, guys. We can taste it. That's the title of the show. If you didn't catch any of it, you can catch it over on ujsports.com, on the YouTube channel, or on our podcast as well. Jason, you got anything to say to the people before we leave out? Nah, oh, man. I'm good. Ben, you look so comfortable. Ben's good, too. I'm good. Uh, all right, guys. Well, I'm good, Actually, too. Actually, no, I, I'm great. Oh, you're great. Yeah, you look great, great, bud. You look great. Um, guys, we appreciate it so much, and we will talk to you soon. If you haven't already, hit a like on this video. We're trying to beat UGA Sports Live and Rumors versus Facts every week. We're just competitive. We're all dogs here at this uh, UGA Sports.com. Go ahead and like this video for us. We'll talk to you guys soon. See you.